Hello there, my friends and fellow warriors, and welcome to another episode of Warriors and Hope. Today, I have a guest, and it's funny, every time I have a guest, I always say, I have a special guest, and I'm so excited, and, and I often wonder if you're not paying attention to the title or to my promo about it, and you might think, oh, it's going to be someone famous. <laughs> but maybe one day I'll have someone famous, but honestly, I feel like I want to talk to everyday people, people like you and me, people that have been through struggles. And that's why I bring on my warriors in hope who have really worked through a lot in their lives. And you've heard from my son, Sean, quite a bit. This is the very first episode of all the episodes I've done, and I've done a lot of them, that I'm actually introducing you to my husband, Rich Silvera. Hey, Rich. Hello. How are you? <laughs> So happy to have you here. It's kind of funny to be married and going, hey, Rich, welcome to my show. Uh, but I just wanted to talk today a little bit about the dynamic and the perspectives from, in this case, it would be a stepfather in all of the stuff that we've been through. And obviously, we've talked about many of these things, but don't be surprised if we touch on something that we've never talked about before. If you've been listening to my podcast for any length of time, you know that I'm very spontaneous. And so you never quite know what we're going to talk about. But we are actually dropping this episode into the podcast apps on February 14th, which is our 26th wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary, Rich. Yes, indeed. Hard to believe. <laughs> 26 years. 26 years. It's so funny because it seems to me like 26 years, it's gone by in a, in a flash. But boy, we've been through a lot in 26 years uh, too. Yeah. There have been some tumultuous <laughs> years in the 26. But sure. I mean, wouldn't you think though that anybody who's being honest and has been married for any length of time and had any length, any type of life is going to say the same thing? It's funny because on the outside looking in, you look at other people and think their lives are easy, but everyone's got Stuff. stuff. Yep. Yeah. Everyone's got Everybody's stuff they have to do. Stuff. Yep. But rewinding the clock to 27 years ago when we met, um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking, I mentioned this to you right before we came on today. And I was thinking about, we all wish we knew the future. No question about it. I don't think there's anyone really, unless they've really been through something and came to a place where they said, I understand, I don't want to know. But there's a part of each of us that wishes we knew the future because we think, oh, we could be more prepared, right? Mm -hmm. Don't you think? I mean. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm thinking back to the 27 years ago we met or ne next to 26 years ago we got engaged and thinking about, wow, what if we had known the future? And what cracks me up kind of about it is if you'd known the future, you could have hightailed it out of there. I didn't have a choice, right? Jamie was my kid yeah. and all that, but I think you might have hightailed it. <laughs> Come on, be honest. I don't know. I wouldn't want it. I, I don't know if I would have wanted to know the future because um, then I would have had to figure out how to handle it all. And I think you just go with the flow and try to be the best you can be. Yeah, I agree because I feel like the, the stress of I mean, think about it if we had known because I think all hell broke loose about three years after we got married. So if we'd known during those first three years, remember, remember when we were just thinking, oh, we talked all about the future and we were going to do this and that and we were going to, you know, set the world on fire. And we had all these plans, and none of which have turned out like we thought. Yeah, right, right. But what if we'd have known during those three years? We might not have made it three years. No, no. We would. 
I don't think we would have. If we'd have known what's coming, right? Yeah, right. I don't think we would have. And it's, what's funny about it, too, funny, I keep saying funny. My friends, I'm not necessarily saying funny, ha-ha. Funny, strange. What's interesting, I guess I should say, about it is, had we known and said, we thought, oh, we could prepare, do you think there would be any possibility that you could have prepared for the Jamie that, you know, she was a spitfire and she was you know, feisty and, and all the stuff she was moving into her adolescence, as a lot of them are. Yeah. Do you think we could have even begun to prepare for the freight train that was headed our way? Nope. Not even remotely close. In fact, I liken it to watching reality shows going, how the hell do these people handle that? And this was happening to us. I'm going, how can this be my life? Yeah. How can this be our life? I know. Insane. I know. Insane. And there is no... I remember one time... When Jamie and I were having an argument about, probably about me wanting her to be a normal person and her wanting to go off into the hood and, you know, do all the stuff she was doing. And um, her saying, and me saying something to her. Who knows? I probably swore at her or whatever. You know, who knows? Who can, who knows how to handle this? And I said something to her and then she said, I can't believe you said that to me. Like the guilt trip she was trying to put on me. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that's the time I said to her, I go, Oh, excuse me. Let me get out my parenting manual. And then I pull out my fake parenting manual, right? And I'm pretending I'm flipping through the pages. Let me go to the page where your daughter's on a freight train headed toward a brick wall. And let me see how I should respond. Yeah, well, right? speaking of parenting manuals, imagine the stepdad and that parenting manual. Oh, when my she, gosh. I'd never thought about that. She's got a biological father. And there's a little bit of resentment Whoa. towards me because I'm now the husband of her mother. When prior to that, she had just her mother all to herself. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I wish I wish that we could have talked to Jamie about all this, you know, that she hadn't died. And she got obviously I wish she'd gotten clean and all that. And we could just have these conversations and and wonder what she was feeling, because I think you touched on a good point, Rich. When any time you bring families together, mm -hmm. you know, step parents into the mix. Yep. It's not easy for anyone Right. I mean, everyone's got a weird dynamic going on here. Like you're thinking what you just said about Jamie. You're thinking, where do I fit in? And I'm going, I'm in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I am in the middle. But um, I felt like I was in the middle, too. I felt like I was in the middle between the two of you and like you didn't like each other. And it, so we already had that really hard dynamic. But I kind of felt like we would work through it. I believed we would work through it and it'd all be OK. You never tried to be her dad. No, no, I didn't. I Although, you know, it's tough when you try to figure out where the line is around authority um, and her listening to the adult in the room. And I always try to be the adult in the room because, as Sean would say, uh, she was tough uh, with me and tough on me. Uh, but I didn't want to I didn't want to lower get to a low level. I just wanted to be the adult in the room. And, she and sometimes had, that's hard. Very hard. <laughs> Sometimes and, I felt like you were both not and, the adult. And they have to, children have to respect authority. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it was a serious challenge. I agree with that. But you know what I heard somebody say one time, and I wonder how you think about this. They said, it, I can't even remember where it came from, but it was a step parent who said, really what I did is I came in and I wanted to be their friend first. Then I could move more into a parenting role because I hadn't earned a place yet. I don't mean earned, but you know what I mean? Like I had in their mind, I hadn't earned that place. So we all have things we would have done differently. But have you ever thought about if you could go back, maybe 
if, yeah. You know, I'm not saying you could have changed her addiction I, or anything. If I had to do it over again, I probably would. Yes, I probably would have decided to build a friendship first. But what's interesting is the way I saw it, I always saw her biological father as her friend. I didn't see him as her father. He wasn't around very often. Uh, and I always thought that relationship was a friendship relationship. You know, true or false, I don't know. So I said, well, she doesn't really have a father image. Uh, so, you know, I'm the stepfather. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And the funny thing is, as I was saying that to you, as I was saying building that friendship first, the part that I thought was kind of the opposite of what I believe when I was saying that is that I used to say to them too, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your parent. Right. I feel like this is kind of a problem now. And of course, I'm not out here giving parenting advice because obviously <laughs> look at what happened in my life. Mm. But um, I feel like the too many people are so concerned about being their kid's friend that they're forgot they've forgotten to parent them. Yep. And I feel like it's our job to be parents. And like now I'm still Sean's parent and so are you. Sean comes to us for advice. Yep. He doesn't make any big fat life decision. He talks to his wife but he always wants our approval. And yep. I, I think that's a respect we've earned. Yeah. But we're friends too. Right. But that's because he's grown up now. Right. And he's on his own and he's yeah. doing his thing. And so I always thought, no, I'm not here to be your friend. Right. I'm here to be your parent. So here I'm suggesting, gee, maybe you could have been her friend. But I think it's only because you didn't know her since, you know, birth. You didn't have that, right. that love, that relationship like I already yeah, had. Yeah, I didn't have the history. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know her as a cute little baby and you know somebody who was a pistol at one years old and uh all that so i knew her as a what how old was she uh, she was 11 11 I year old uh <clears throat> mad. yeah 11 year old 11 year old pistol tough to handle had an attitude oh yeah uh that's why we keep that's why we say our cat fiona is jamie cause she's got a serious attitude yeah, yeah yeah we're still paying for that right so yeah i i know that that the dynamic itself was difficult. And so I spent time going, feeling guilty. You know, how did I get myself in this situation where I'm a single mom? And now I've got this guy who doesn't have any kids. And that's the other thing. You didn't have any kids. You did have another marriage where you had a stepdaughter for a while, but it wasn't the same right. dynamic. And um, so it's, it's really, uh, that was, <clears throat> so face it, people, everyone has challenges. But, <clears throat> excuse me, what I wanted to do is, is, introduce you to some of these perspectives and let you know too that during our marriage when these different perspectives and these different dynamics were happening we weren't sitting here having these calm conversations going like oh yeah how do you feel rich and how do i feel i mean we you and i had trouble when jamie started into her addiction oh yeah we had a lot of trouble because especially as things really progressed and i realized that Life was out of control. My daughter was out of control. She's hanging out with, you know, what turned out to be gang members. I don't know if you've listened to or know my whole story, our whole story. But uh, when Jamie was 18, she was shot by her ex-boyfriend who turned out to be a gang member. We suspected that. But you'd have to know Jamie to to know how we could be in the dark about anything. Yeah. She was very good and yeah. very smart. And we didn't find any ever find any drugs. There was never any we, any indication. All of it was looking back. We just knew that the smartest person I knew was falling apart, quit school, quit youth group, quit her family, essentially, uh, two different schools. I became homeschooled, yep. uh, qualified so I could homeschool her. The first time I tested her, she tested at college level yep. in almost every subject. And then math was the only one she tested at, at normal age. She looked at me and went, okay, guess I'm done with high school. 
I mean, th these were this is what was going on, and I was just trying to save her. Yeah. And you wanted to correct her, and that caused a real butting of heads. Not saying either one of us was right or wrong at that point. You were probably more right. Okay, you were more right, but <clears throat> it caused a lot of strain on our, our relationship. Oh yeah. And our relationship was new. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah, it was new. I. I yeah, she was she was very smart, and you know at the time I thought, well, why didn't she want to finish school? Is she bored with her friends? Bored with school? Is she above it all? And she used to get good grades. Yeah, or was she? <laughs> was that the beginning of, you know, tapping into this other life, of thugs and drugs and experiences and experimenting and all that? I don't know. Um, we'll probably never know. Will no, we? no, the, no, we won't. We won't. We won't ever know. I was just trying to keep her on the straight and narrow and uh, in my way, and you were doing it in your way. Well, and then there was the other dynamic, too, where you were also trying to fix it for me. So it wasn't just that you were trying to get Jamie on the straight and narrow. You're looking at the person you love most in this world who's, yeah. who's really starting to struggle. Now, I'm really starting to struggle at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, yeah. And that was a difficult predicament because um, you didn't, the way I saw it, you didn't deserve all this emotional distress and um, wear and tear on your psyche and you challenging your um, livelihood as a parent, uh, making decisions right or wrong, uh, having to think about was Sean being ignored in the equation because of all this focus on Jamie? So how could I help out? And um, it, just, it just didn't seem fair. So I try. I tried to fix everything, and uh, that was uh, we, well. We know what happened with all that. <laughs> you know what? As you're talking, Rich, that really reminds me of. Um, you talked about the parenting of Sean because I ended up with a lot of guilt, not just about Jamie. And and by the way, my friends, if you're in the boat that we are, or were, <laughs> guilt doesn't serve anyone. But I understand what it feels like to feel so guilty that your child is off on this course because I thought. I thought <laughs> I had a certain amount of control in this life. I found out we have very little control over most things. And certainly we lose control of our children much earlier than we think. And But that challenge is, like you said, you're, you're parenting. You, you question everything about your parenting. Obviously, it must be my fault, and that's where the guilt comes in. And um, then there's the added guilt of I'm watching Jamie's or Sean's football game and literally just going, oh, look at the cheerleaders. Jamie should be a cheerleader. Oh, I wish she were here. Oh, there's Sean on the field. It was really, I, I was there, but I wasn't there. I feel like I was there for Sean, but not. Because otherwise, you know, maybe he wouldn't have meandered around trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life in the college. And, and some of that's just normal, but I, do, I had the guilt of that too. But this is <clears throat> interesting. I just thought about this, Rich, and I, I don't think we thought about it. You know, podcasts are recorded in advance. Okay, so... Obviously, we are recording this in advance, but we are dropping it in on our anniversary on the 14th. I typically have things recorded well in advance. We're doing this really right before the 14th. We are recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. And today is February 11th. And it's the 49ers in the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. And the reason I bring this up is that... This is so weird to think that a football team, which I would have given zero, zero credit for having any impact on my son's life or wanted it to have any impact on his life, 
But there was a bonding thing that happened because, well, I think it was before you came along, but Sean did his first book report when he was, it might've been around the time we met or no, I think it was before we met. He did his first little book report and it was on, uh, he found this book in the library that has, he was just telling me the other day that I didn't realize this, that a teacher had said, you know, well, what are you interested in? Football, right? Cause Sean was big. Well, he didn't really have any influence of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, he was with me most of the time. I didn't care about football. So he went, okay, yeah, and agreed upon it and found this Jerry Rice book. So I read it first and we didn't have the internet. Do we have the internet back then? Oh, I guess we did have the yeah, internet. Yeah, we did. We did have the internet. But um, I don't remember what I looked up or whatever, but um, I thought, okay, well, if he's going to have a role model of a NFL or you know any kind of sport athlete, okay, this guy seems like a hardworking guy and all this kind of stuff. You know, I didn't know him, but I thought, okay, oh, this yeah. is fine. I'll yeah. let him do the book report. So he does this book report and he says, mommy, I'm a San Francisco 49er. That was it. He made that decision. So we live in Seattle and every single person in my family is starting to get into like being a rabid Seahawk fan. <laughs> and there's Sean standing alone, right? Me, I didn't, couldn't have cared less. And then you came along. And you're from the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Avid 49er fan. And you've been a 49er fan since before there were Seahawks. I had season tickets for 20 years. Yeah. 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 So that was a cool... Well, so, yeah, so you guys ended up with this bond yeah, we that I think has helped, yeah. you know, the guilt and the, the stuff that we felt like we were... I feel like Sean bonded with you in a way that he probably wouldn't have had you not had that same interest. Yeah. Possibly. So, yeah. We bonded... Uh, yeah, the 49ers were the, were the common thread, but sports in general. Uh, Jamie and I had really had nothing in common. Um, sports. Well, I mean, you Jamie, love baseball. She, yeah, was, she was a great she softball a good, player. Yeah, she was a good softball player. But I just think for Jamie, things just came too easy, and she got bored uh, often and and explored other things, therefore. Yeah. Um, she was just quick-witted, sharp. Uh, like you said, she tested off the charts to go to college. Um, yeah, that was at 16. So the thing is, is that, you know, they always say your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses. And definitely that that quickness. Because I remember when I would figure out things about, you know, something's going on here, Jamie. There's drugs. There's this guy's probably in a gang. I would say all this stuff. And I can remember her. I can remember. A lot of things seem to happen in the kitchen for me. But standing around that kitchen island, we lived in Bellevue. And her looking at me and going, you think too much. Well, here's the bottom line. I do think too much. Why do you think I have such sleeping problems, right? I'm thinking all the time. And so you know what I started doing? I started thinking about that. I started thinking about whether I think about, think too much. But she knew how to get to, get to us. So here I was going, I have to save her. And it's my responsibility. I was this custodial parent. Her dad was in and out and he had his addiction issues and everything. I mean, he saw them regularly, but what we found out later on that went on a lot when when uh, they were with him just makes me sick. But anyway, there was this whole dynamic of me thinking it is my responsibility. I had the weight of the world on my shoulders to save her. Right. And then you had this perspective I didn't because you were able to you were outside of it in a well, way. Yeah. Where you could look at it differently. Yeah. And here's what's interesting. You and my ex-husband, Jamie's dad, were more aligned in how and what we should do than, than you guys were in the same boat. And well, I was I was the one wanting to save her, and you were both going, 
Well, the problem you're enabling her. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> the the saving her manifested itself into, in my opinion, enabling the behavior. But and I didn't mean to. No, I know it wasn't intentional. But because of your unconditional love, you your actions enabled her behavior because yeah. you loved her so much to try to uh, get her on the right path. And um, you know, I don't know. If, Again, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't even know, looking back, if we had the chance to do it over again, what would you do differently? You certainly want to go get her and take her out of that environment if you can. Uh, we lived in a you know, a wonderful suburb in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, we had great friends. We had a good life. and She had a great family, everything. Never, I could never understand the allure to, to that other yeah. Life. I mean, she had to make her way quite a few miles to get out of. And she did because she, she was did. smart and resourceful. Yeah. So it's funny how you just said, "Oh, I don't. Know, I keep saying funny. I don't know. Why I keep saying funny today." You ha you said, um, "Get her out of that environment." We did. So, so we ended times. up. We moved to uh, Key Biscayne, Florida, which is this island outside the bay in Miami, uh, right? Right by. I mean, you can see Miami from this island, and. We brought her there a couple times, not to live, but to visit. And the, the second time I remember it didn't go well. I put her on a plane early. Right. She. This is when things were right. not well. This was after she'd been shot. You know, right. we, we moved after she, she right. was shot. Right. Um, two years later, I think it was. Uh, or, yeah, two years later. But anyway, so we did that. And then we ended up staying there for about four years. Then we moved to Palm Desert, which is Palm Springs area of California. And we brought her there. That's what we said. I said, finally, okay, I'm not going to give her one more dollar. I said, Jamie, I won't send one more dollar to Seattle. Because, by the way, you know now, Rich, and I'm a very honest person, and I was in a very dishonest place because I was spending all sorts of money, and I was in charge of the finances. And, you know, you're kind of a nosy person. I can't believe you didn't check it out and see what I was doing. But anyway, I was paying car payments and you name it, go right down the line, sending her money. You know, and we were struggling in our own finances after the, the real estate market had crashed. And we had this big, beautiful house in Bellevue that we left for yeah. and had no equity left in it. And I mean, we I didn't have any business doing that to us. Yeah. Right. But I was doing that. But anyway, I get to this point where I go, I can't do it anymore. Can't send one more dollar. Come down to to Palm Desert and be with us. Her grandparents lived there. She knew the area well. She didn't know anybody there except for her grandparents. She found her drug people. Within 24 hours. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know how she did that. I mean, at the end of the day, because of what I learned about addiction and how it hijacks your brain, I guess I guess when uh, it hijacks your brain the way it did, you can do whatever you need to do to get that fixed. Yeah. So. And we just weren't able to stop it. And, you know, when I think about the, what, it, what it does to the relationship, and I know people have listened to Sean and I talk a lot about it, and we're actually going to do another one where we're going to talk a lot more focused on how things were for him because he's touched on it here and there, you know, because, you know, like he touched on how embarrassed he was when he had to go back to high school when she was shot that first time and people knew that it was gang related. Not, I don't know. It wasn't really gang related, but her boyfriend was some gangster loser and her ex-boyfriend, whatever it was. And he felt embarrassed. So, you know, we're all going through all of this stuff. And so one of my Warriors and Hope said something last week to me. She she told me that she's having a her and her husband are having a very hard time, and her uh, her son 
had died, has died less than three years ago, like two and a half years ago. And she said what they're struggling with in this grief, and I'm sure they've had it throughout the, the addiction part of things, but is she said sex. No one talks about that. She said, I just don't feel like it. And my husband has the same, you know, needs, desires, and men and women are, can be a little different on that. Um, especially as our hormones change and over time as we get older. And she said, I'd really like to have you talk about that because it's a reality. So I brought it up to you the other day and you kind of looked at me funny, but maybe I was a good actress, even though, you know, what you see is what you get with me. When I, I felt like that a lot where I had no desire to be intimate, but it had nothing to do with you. Nothing, nothing to do with how I felt about you. It's more about how I felt about myself, you know, and when you're feeling like your life's falling apart, this child that you gave life to that you had so much hope for and promise for is dying, literally dying before your eyes. I mean, 15 years, we watched her die before she was killed. And, um, I just, I didn't feel, I felt like a terrible mother. I felt like a terrible wife. I felt like a terrible loser of a human being with my heart ripped out of my chest. And I just didn't feel real sexy. I guess I'll put it that well, way. That's, yeah, that, that's understandable. I mean, I never, I never, I ne that never entered my mind, really. I, I think uh, given the dynamics that were going on at the time and uh, just the isness of the situation, um, there weren't a whole lot of moments where the need to be intimate was something that was driving me. It was more about just being and trying to be there for you to uh, help you through this because I could see uh, what it was doing to you. And even though you would say, and you to this day say, you have no idea, Rich, you have no idea how many times I you would force me to go out when I didn't want to go out and, 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 and have a good time because... Which I'm thankful for now. Because life has to go on. But I was still mired in this situation. And I and. It's kind of insulting to me because actually I did have an idea, which is why I tried to get you out because you can't, it's hard to fix things that are beyond your control. Yeah, sure. And it's also a fine line to turn your back on trying to fix things that are beyond your control, especially when it's one of your kids. Yeah, I think when I say you don't really know, obviously you lived with me or married to me and all that. But I was, what I was, what I really mean is you have, first of all, you can't know how I feel. Not completely. Well, no. You don't I didn't, know how you, that. Yeah. Just like I really don't I know how you feel. Yeah. Not I, really. No, I, I don't think any guy, any male in a relationship or marriage that loses a child can identify with how his wife feels who carried this child in her womb for nine months and gave birth to this child. And to this day... Every time you read about somebody having a baby, they just go, "You have no." I had no idea I had the capacity to love somebody so much. Absolutely, I I call that when I had Jamie, she was my first child. That's when I knew about true love. Mm -hmm. I honestly did not. I didn't feel that way about my ex husband. Well, he wasn't my ex at the time, but my husband at the time. I I mean, I loved my parents and my brothers and friends and stuff, but I had never felt anything even close to that. Right. Um, and and to be losing, you don't ever lose the love, but to lose the hope and the dreams, I guess, that you have for that person, it puts you in a, in a bad place. And I guess I tried, I never want people to feel sorry for me or anything. I didn't want to be the victim, 
So I just, so many times I would just go in my walk-in closet and just cry and cry and cry because it was the place where I was away from you because we both work from home, right? I could just go hide in the walk-in closet and cry my eyes out and you didn't even know most of the time. Um, just how difficult it is. But, you know, we're, I like to talk about how difficult things are because I think people need to know they're not alone. But we also need to talk about ways out. I mean, yeah. we can't keep... Okay, we can identify all day long with people. My heart right now, Rich, as we talk, my heart is feeling for all the people listening that can understand where we've been and, and um, are where we were or where we are. And um, my heart is really with everybody. But at the same time, you can't stay there. You just can't. No, no, you can't. You That's get, called self-destruction. You got to move on, yeah. And so you, you, move, you, move, you move on with the reality that you're going to move on with a hole in your heart or with your heart shattered into a million pieces and putting them back together. Yeah. You can't, when it's a child, you're never going to get over it. I don't want to get over her. Right. But we're going to get through it and we learn to live with the hole. We learn, like right now we're dealing with this murder trial that is, what is it? It'll be eight years in August. Can you believe that? She was murdered eight years ago. We had the preliminary hearing just one year ago. A little over one year ago, we sat at that preliminary hearing with this monster and had the evidence presented to the to the judge for the preliminary and saw saw and heard all the terrible, awful things that he did to her. And that's a lot for us to go through, too. Yep. So we're still going through a lot of stuff. I guess that's the reason that we can still so relate it. But even if we couldn't, even if she had overdosed and we didn't have this whole murder part, I don't think I would ever forget what it felt like to be where we were during her addiction. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, It's like I mean, you're never going to forget. Never. I mean, I always equated being involved with the police with something terrible. Me too. Happening and a crime being committed or you broke the law. It just wasn't anything that I was ever involved in. Remember when she uh, oh shoplifted? Oh. No, remember when she shoplifted when she was 14 and I completely fell apart and thought it was the worst thing that could yep, ever happen in my yep, life. Yep. Now I kind of chuckle about it and think, well, I wish we could just go back and shoplift. Yeah. That was nothing. But, but being involved with the police all the times we were, uh, now being involved with the justice system to get to this trial, attorneys and DAs and defending attorneys, it's just, it's, I just sometimes I look in the mirror and go, how is this my life? I hear you, Rich. When you were talking <laughs> earlier, I had one of those out-of-body experiences Right now, 23 years we've been into this thing, yep. this whole nightmare. Yep. And I literally had one of those out-of-bodies going, when you were talking about the murder or her addiction or whatever, I was looking at him like, him, looking at you like, oh, wow, that is rich talking. This is our life. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you yeah. ever have those? Yeah. So I wanted to talk about two things, or maybe three things, I guess. For 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 sure, without question, me figuring out how to move through all this and creating the nine actions to battle your beast and now the nine weapons which are just an expansion and a, a digital version of those and me really working through and figuring out how to how to do things yep. not not just yep. get past it but how to have real tools that i could use yep. have really helped me tremendously oh unbelievable and and i think they've helped you too yeah yeah no i think uh well i she got all her smarts and quick wit from you because for oh. you for you to be able to establish this um gosh what's the right word curriculum for people going through this is just remarkable i mean i remember uh 
1971, I was 15 years old, and my brother, who was 13, dropped, dropped dead like that in 30 seconds in eighth grade. And advanced 45 years later, and I'm taking my, my sick mother uh, with a bad heart to the hospital, and I'm looking at all her meds, and she's on depression uh, medication. I said, Mom, why are you on, why are you taking these drugs for depression? She goes, Brad. Brad was my brother. And I go, Mom, it's been 45 years. She goes, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I remember that being a pivotal moment for you, Rich, where Ugh. you, Jamie had not died yet, but I remember you, she died the next year. Mm -hmm. And I remember you looking at me and saying, I had no idea nope. that it was still affecting her like that. Yep. And I think that you didn't quite understand, too. The first time I went to your parents' house and I saw that black and white picture of Bradley, I can still picture it. His little sweater and his glasses yep. on the wall by the fireplace. And I said to you, how weird it is that your brother's frozen in time. Yep. You know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head wrapped around it. Little, little would I ever know that I would be living in that same place. Yep. But I think that is something that you, I, maybe you were going to say something about the weapons and your, your mom, or your mom didn't well, have these kind of resources. No, People did. didn't talk about this stuff back then, Rich. No, they you didn't. guys didn't talk about it. No, she didn't talk about it at all. And we just moved on. We lived in Mayberry RFD. I mean, these things. Really? Does that happen in Mayberry RFD? No. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's just bizarre. But my point was um, your, yeah, she didn't have what you've built uh, what you've created, which has allowed you to, I think, go down this path in life post Jamie's murder uh, and have some semblance of a happy life. Uh, you never forget about her, and we celebrate her life every year. But um, Ma, you're not on drugs for depression because you have created this wonderful, wonderful outline for parents of addicts, and and specifically, I think mothers of addicts. Um, and it's helped you tremendously, and it's uh, and it's helped us because it's helped you. Um, because now my mom, I had no idea, 45 years taking drugs for depression because her son, her youngest son, passed away in 19. Because your mom lived with a hole in her heart until the day she died. Right. She never talked about him. Mm -hmm. I never, I, I kind of wish we would have talked about it now, um, but she never seemed to want to talk about it. But I also think, Rich, uh, you made me think of something else because, you know, the loss of your brother, it doesn't matter how long ago it was. It was so many years ago. It doesn't matter. You became an only child overnight, but I didn't real. I, I mean, I knew that, obviously. There were two of you and, and he died. But it was until Sean said to me one day, Mom, do you realize that I became an only child overnight? When my heart really, I mean, my heart already hurt for him. But that's a dynamic I don't understand. But you and Sean, that's another bond that you have. You do know Yep. What that felt like to all of a sudden lose your only sibling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I'm different circumstances, but. Um, but it doesn't matter. You became an only child overnight. Yeah. 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 Um, you lost your first best friend. Well, I was in complete. Sh I mean, it's it's hard to describe. I was in complete shock because. We got into a fight the night before and uh, just a, you know, 15 year old and a 13 year old fighting the way they do brothers. And the next day he's gone. So you had a um, lot of guilt, I bet. Yeah. So the level, the level of guilt. So the circumstances are different. Yes, we both lost a sibling. Um, this was a complete shock to me. I'm not saying Jamie being shot and murdered was a shock. It was, but um, 
for me, it wasn't as much of a shock. It wasn't as much of a shock because for me, we would always say, you and I would always talk and say, you know, are we going to find her someday on the side of a road, OD'd and gone? Or are we going to get the phone call? We, we, get, we didn't realize it was actually a knock on yeah, the door. Yeah, we're going to get us, the phone but, call because yeah. because nothing good comes from these addictions. It's almost imminent that something terrible is going to happen if you don't get clean. Yeah. yeah. So so circumstances were different, but yes, we, we both lost a sibling like that which kind of changes your perspective on things. Okay, you just brought up another point that I hadn't thought about either is, don't you think this entire journey and, and, and life in general, forget just living life, we have an opportunity all the time to look at things from a different perspective. And we've learned so many different perspectives from having gone through what we have. We used to look at people who were on drugs as just a bunch of losers Yep. And maybe they were living a life that was kind of a loser. I mean, Jamie was living a, a life that wasn't good. Yep. She was doing illegal things. She was doing terrible things. She was yep. living in filth. I mean, just not good things. Yep. But we knew who she was underneath. Yep. And uh, underneath the weight of that addiction beast, there's always a person. A person who has a family that loves them. People who love them. Who wasn't born like that, you yeah. know. And I think it's helped us to have a lot more compassion. Not that we don't think everyone should still fight and get off those, get you know, fight that beast. It's given us a, a little different perspective on how we look at what we used to think of as those people. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'll be the first to admit that I was uh, very judgmental about those people. Okay, very judgmental. And then when you're involved in a life with one of those people, uh, things kind of change. Uh, and what you really find out is Jamie notwithstanding, a lot of those people are good people with a bad problem. Absolutely. They're good people with a bad problem. Absolutely. So I think compassion we've and we've learned to not to be such so less judgmental. I just hope that everybody who's going through some something like this will find there's always good that can come out of it. I wish none of this had happened, Rich, but the, God always paves a way for something good. And obviously my work that I do is good. We've been able to take something really bad and turn it into something good. And I say we, even though it's my work, you're right there, Rich. You're my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. It's cost us a lot of resources, even when we haven't had any resources to use. So I appreciate all the support you've always given me and believed in me. And, and, um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, but what I want to say a couple more things before we close out is that Oh, learn it. What I was saying is that take the opportunity to find something good. You don't have to go do what I'm doing or write a book or, you know, anything like that. But there's always something you can do. What if it's just that? You become less judgmental. It changes your empathy. It, you know, somehow it changes and you find something. It doesn't even have to have anything to do with addiction or murder or death or anything. But it, use something that you learn in this horrific, yep. you know, journey yep. for good. And I think that two more things I wanted to say is, one, we have somehow been able to maintain, and I would say even improve, if that's possible, humor. So I've always been a really humorous person, right? Quick-witted, da-da-da. And I would say that you were definitely quick-witted too, but not, not to the degree I am, and you don't see life in the weird Seinfeld sort of way that I do. <laughs> but yet you have. I don't know if, you know, I've just rubbed off on you too much or what, You've become actually pretty funny, and I think that I wouldn't, I can't even think of a day in the last, I don't know how many years have gone by that we haven't laughed. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that people get in these situations and they think they're not supposed to find humor in life because it's disrespectful to the situation. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think, um, again, I think if you, uh, if you celebrate, if you celebrate the person's life, which we do, we talk about Jamie often, something comes up. Oh, yeah, that's what Jamie would do. Or Jamie would have laughed at that or whatever, yeah. right? Yes. And you have your celebration of life uh, on birthdays and you go out and have a good time and try to be happy on the angel. death day, yeah. the angel day. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I, again, if anything good came out of this, it's your desire and your therapeutic regiment uh, to leave a legacy uh, and do something good for others who you might be able to help as a result of this. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, and, you know, for me, uh, all I can try to do is just be there for you because uh, I can't, as you said earlier on the podcast, I can't relate to uh, the hole in your heart. Uh, it's, I have one, it's, it's a lot different than yours. So I can just try to be there for you, uh, as best I can. Which you totally have. And I got to tell you one thing, Rich, that you used to try to fix everything. And maybe it's just cause she died and there was no fixing it. Um, but after she died, I've noticed that the difference is when I completely fall apart, you'll just like hold my hand, hug me and I'll, I'll say something kind of, you know, <laughs> duh, like she's never coming back. I mean, I still have those those moments where I can't believe it, this disbelief, she's never coming back. And you'll go, I know. And that's it. Just being there for somebody yeah. and not having to try to say anything or fix it. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. And it's okay to go, you know, I wonder if she'd be married. I wonder if she'd have kids. I wonder if I'd have grandkids. I, it's, I mean, that's just. And it kind of makes me mad that we're never going to know. But No, I know. But it's just, it's human to wonder those things, right? Yeah, because you had she was she had a life. She was a real person with a life. Yeah, she could have come so out what of this addiction. It, what would have looked? What what had it looked like? Well, we'll never know because some monster decided that she shouldn't live that day over a pair of pants or some ridiculous thing we found out about. Uh, but what, the last thing I, I wanted to say because I think it's so important is faith. So I was always a believer, not necessarily, you know reading the Bible or doing too much of that. And, and you, you know, had your faith that, but we didn't really have no. that going on. So remember after we got married, I would drag you around to churches, yep. you know, trying to find a church to go to. And you were like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to fall asleep. I don't enjoy this. And then you, we finally found this great pastor that you loved. And he was so gregarious and ex NFL football player, just really. And, and we really enjoyed that, but forgetting that, cause it's not all about going to church. It's about your daily walk and your daily, you know, relationship with God. And, and, um, I've just, you and I have talked about this before, Rich, I just have to wonder, and I know people have beautiful lives and still seek after God, but you and I, I don't know if we would be where we are spiritually had we not gone through what we have. If we still had the big house and we hadn't had the crash and, you know, all the stuff was still going well and all the, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, however, uh, in agreeing with that, sometimes, cause you, you and I talk about this sometimes, even with that faith, you say, but how could he have let this happen? Oh, 
Oh, you're you're trying to say that our faith has wavered? How, oh yeah, how, mine has wavered. How could he have let this happen? Yeah. Right. And then we always come back to free will, um, and giving us the ability to make the right decisions uh, or the wrong decision with that free will. But yeah, faith is um, faith's been pretty critical in the the journey. But it's wavered. I think that's important for people because I think a lot of people out there who t teach on faith and talk about it, they act like they walk around with their hands folded all the time and they're always in faith and always believing. I have some friends who are about the strongest believers I know and they, they always, they question though. They question God. They question what's going on. I was talking to a friend the other day and she said, actually, I don't question God. I question me. And I think that's more me. I beat myself up going, well, if this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, God, then, you know, if you, if I was, you'd open a door. You'd. It's yep. hard for us to understand God. Yep. And so I've been mad at God, Rich, after she was murdered. I yelled and screamed at him. But at the end of the day, when I think about my options, my options are to dig in and go deeper yep. with God yep. or do this on my own. Yep. And, and just for me, there's no option. Right. It, there really isn't two options for right. me. Right. Well, I don't think we do anything on our own. No, I wouldn't get through this if I didn't have faith. Right. Right. I don't. I wouldn't. Well, I don't know how people. I don't want to get all sappy and religious, but I don't know how people get through uh, a marriage without faith or life without faith. I totally agree, and and so I feel like for people listening who don't have any faith, we're not trying to put our you know Christian faith on you or anything like that. Whatever you believe, you know, I just feel like. We all have to believe there's something bigger than ourselves or or none of this makes any sense. Right. Right? Right. And we can and we and we have a hard time finding the good. Right. So well, do you have anything else you wanted to add about this, you know, twenty six year trip through life? Uh, <laughs> uh I'm just glad I didn't uh I didn't have a crystal ball that I could look through and know all this would have happened. You would have run. Come on. Uh, I probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, folks. I probably would have. It's out in public. I was going to say it's in print. It's not in print. It's on audio. <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, like we said earlier, everybody has stuff. Everybody has stuff they have to deal with. I you mean, know what? If you'd have run, God does have a sense of humor. Maybe he'd have stuck you in a worse situation. Yeah, well. I don't know. How it can be well, much I'm, worse? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, um, yeah. I, I, the, the thing that gets me through most of this is... Um, I try not to wallow in all this because I've realized everybody has stuff. Everybody has something in their life that's not pleasant. Right. That they have to deal with. And it might be a different uh, degree than I what... don't know. You know, I, I don't want to rank them one through ten. Our deal is a big deal. I mean, having a child murdered. And after 15 years of hell. <laughs> after 15 years of hell. And, oh, and in the middle of all that, too, a waiting. friend stole our savings. And, and uh, Jamie died two months later. I mean, we, we've had... Like everyone else, Rich. Right. If everyone started doing an inventory, right. everybody's had a lot of stuff to, to right. deal with. Right. I, I just want closure uh, through the justice system, uh, which has taken, what is it, going on? Eight years. Eight years. Because uh, of good old Riverside County in California uh, where this occurred. Uh, I just want closure with um, the individual that... We want justice. Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're going to keep doing our very best, like you said, about legacy, to be the best people we can, to, yep. you know, yep. help Sean be the best man that he can. Yep. And um, that's all we can ever do in life is just 
make a difference. I think that's what's so important. Whatever it is, it, again, you don't have to start a nonprofit. Everybody is here to make their little corner of the world a little better in some way. You bet. And I think when we get into these terrible situations, we feel sorry for ourselves and we, we forget that. Yep. Yep. So I hope everyone will remember that. I would love for you to join me as a warrior in hope. Go to warriorsandhope.com. We have free resources. We have an awesome sisterhood. And hopefully we'll get another event going here pretty soon. I shouldn't say pretty soon. They take a while to, to plan and everything. But uh, you know what? I've wanted to quit. I'm going to say this. I've never said this publicly, Rich. I've wanted to quit what I'm doing many times. I'll bet you any successful venture, business, mission, everybody can probably say the same thing. Oh, yeah. Many times they've wanted to quit. Yeah. But I think that's what the beast wants me to do. So I'm going to do just the opposite. And you should because you can help a lot of people. And I will. Thank you so much again, Rich. I hope that, that um, all of you will have your husbands and just anybody listen to listen to this episode because it gives different perspective on relationships because everything we all go through it in different ways okay my friends remember wherever you are in this world you're not alone because guess what this is even cooler i usually say i'm standing with you but i'm going to say that we are standing, standing with, with you, you.